Hi, everyone. This is Eric, and welcome to the CBC podcast, Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday, we continued our series titled Uncomfortable, and Pastor Brandon talked about the idea of uncomfortable Holy Spirit. He talked about the importance of being fully open and dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit in order to grow in the ways of Jesus. And he reminded us of just how necessary yet challenging that may be. Since Brandon is now on sabbatical, I'll be joining Donna and Nick to discuss this Sunday's message. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, I'm here with uh, Donna and Nick. Uh, Good to be with you guys this morning. Hello. Good morning. Hi. So this one's going to be a little different uh, since Brandon gave the message on Sunday, but now he's on sabbatical. So he won't be with us for the next three months. So we can so just we get to talk about him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Brandon talked about uncomfortable spirit and he talked about the Holy Spirit's role in our life and the role of the church. Uh, so I just thought, what are your initial thoughts, initial reactions to uh, Sunday's message? I think for me, it's it's just interesting and maybe a little surprising to watch Brandon Brandon's trajectory and just his changing viewpoints. I think we both come from very conservative backgrounds, so um, I think we both changed a lot. But just to hear him talk about um, that that overwhelming desire to change, even to be sick of where he is now, I thought that was really cool. Thick itself was challenging for him. Yeah, yeah I thought. Um, you know, obviously, Donna, you know Brandon better than us. <laughs> <laughs> a little, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I felt that same way as, as he was talking, as, um, as excited as I was for the message and as I was moved, I was, I think, just as much moved by the fact that it was Brandon who was saying these mm-hmm. things, uh-huh. right? And him, uh, you know, I think you can just sense how God has been working in him, speaking in him. So as much as it was for us and, and for our church, um, for him to be able to declare these things, share these things, um, yeah, I, you know, it almost made me want to go, don't go on sabbatical. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, but I mean, more importantly, um, yeah, I'm just excited what these next three months are going to bring, especially in light of everything he shared on Sunday. Right. So. Well, I was just gonna say I had the opposite thought. I was really excited for his sabbatical. I thought I think God's gonna show him something. You know, I mm-hmm. think that this is gonna be he's gonna come back with these insights or he's gonna come back speaking in tongues or <laughs> something, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like I don't want him to go on sabbatical. It was more like I want a up close front, you know, yeah. view of how God is moving because God's obviously speaking and right. you know, three months is a long time and, and like you said, when he comes back, it's gonna be real interesting, you know, to see how God moved during that time. So one of the things, uh, the way he started his sermon uh, was by giving us the example of what he called his Holy Spirit kind of manifestation experience. And he talked about, quote unquote, he used the name Jen and described that situation where it created this awkwardness during Sunday morning service and and kind of the emotions he felt. Um, What's maybe one of your, quote unquote, Holy Spirit moments uh, where you experienced something like that. And walk us through what you felt and what you thought during that time. 
I feel like I've had experiences like similar to that where someone was, you know, manifesting the spirit, but I don't remember those specifically. Um, the ones I do remember were people prayed for me and, and I felt something. And I remember once it was um, someone praying for me and they, she had her hand over my head and I could feel it being very warm. She wasn't touching me, but her hand was just over my head and I felt it very warm. And then another time someone prayed for my elbow when I was having tendonitis problems. And again, it felt very warm and then, and I didn't, and it, and I felt it healed. And those like were just like very surprising to me. I didn't understand it. Um, but it was, you know, it was an actual physical feeling that was different. It wasn't just hearing something. So those were just kind of my initial things that kind of changed how I saw healing and how the spirit works. So just to clarify the question, so I, when Brandon shared, it was kind of something that made him uncomfortable and sort of resistant, right? Um, and so in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, I guess I have some of those, but then I have stories like yours as well, Donna, where I, I feel like I was surprised, I think, by the presence of God or surprised by a tradition that I'm not normally a part of. Um, so... So which one should I, which side should I share? <laughs> Whatever one you want, whatever you want, everyone listening, all six of you, as Brandon mentioned, whatever you want all six of them to know, Nick. Yeah. But I would say too, though, that I don't think I ever felt like Brandon did, like I had to fix the situation that it was uncomfortable and I had to fix it because I'm not the kind of person that tries to jump in and fix things. So for me, it's always the uncomfortable is, huh, that's interesting, but it's just sitting back and watching. So Kind of that's, I guess, why I tie those two things together for me. Well, Donna, in that situation, was it um, someone asking you, hey, Donna, can I pray for you? Was it something you were sharing and then they prayed? Or was it a spontaneous, someone walked up to you during a service, laid hands on you, started praying? Yeah, I think it was. Well, I, it was it was billed as a prayer service. So things like that were happening. But I didn't think I kind of just came to watch, you know, not to be a participant. So someone just came up to me and prayed for me. Um, so I was open to that, but I didn't think anything was going to happen. I was like, oh, yeah, right. OK. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of at a loss. I think um, there is a part of me that believes, I think, deep down that that there is a charismatic side that I believe and would like to explore, but haven't. And so um, I think I've had similar experiences to that, you know, where it's mm -hmm. whether it's unexpected healing um, but I'm going to go the Brandon side just because that was kind of the tone of the message. Um, I've been in a couple prayer circles where we've prayed for a particular individual to receive the gift of tongues. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing is totally foreign to me. Um, I, I actually, I think I would say I, I believe that, that it exists, that it's a legitimate, legitimate biblical expression of the spirit. I just don't do it. Um, and I can't tell you how it works. But I do remember feeling really uncomfortable being in those kind of small, intimate spaces as um, these particular people are, are getting prayed for to receive this this gift. Um, so, so yeah, that's in a nutshell my very vague story. <laughs> no, that's a that's a it's not vague. It's honest, and you know, thank you for sharing that. Um, I. You know, similar, you know, I feel like I've gone through seasons of my life and ministry where I've intentionally stepped into environments that you would call more charismatic 
to explore that, to be open to it. And, um, you know, it's, it's always, for me, there's something that's, that's hard about it. And as much as I, I want to, to be more open to it, it's, it's always challenging. I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. So I don't know if there's something within me that's resistant. Uh, you know, I, it, it's always hard to, to, uh, to comprehend what I'm feeling in those moments. Um, I remember this is a while back when I was doing youth ministry. I took some of our youth kids to a conference. It was in Pasadena. It was widely known as a charismatic conference. I think John Tawa was one of the, the youth kids. Uh, Hashi might have been one. And I took them with the intent of let's be open, you know, and me wanting to be open. And, and right when we got there, maybe like 10, 15 minutes in, hundreds of people were in this in the Rose Bowl, maybe even thousands. It was packed. They all start speaking in tongues simultaneously, wow. you know, and they don't just say that. And yeah. it was hard for the kids <laughs> and it was hard for me um, to the point where we just had we had to leave early because I didn't know what to make of it. They didn't know make to, what to make of it. Obviously, they were scared. Yeah. And in hindsight, it probably wasn't the smartest decision <laughs> to do that with our youth kids. But that's something I'll always remember. You know, what's so funny is that that's the other story that came to mind because I was actually there with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, um, Nick. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not. I, mean, I don't know why I was. I think I was either in college or I just graduated. Um, okay, so you didn't come with me. I might have okay, actually because I, I, I we, so we had those did. conversations of of like. That's what did right. You think of that. Mm-hmm. My thought, like, I think because I grew up in Cerritos and I was a part of different Korean charismatic churches, um, partnering in ministry, that tongues wasn't uh, unfamiliar to me. But I do remember being really bored. Like it was mm. a long conference. It was in the sun. And a lot of things just kept getting repeated over and over and over again. And that was kind of something that uh, on one hand, I wasn't conditioned for. It didn't resonate with me. And then on the other hand, I didn't understand. Mm. But I, I remember that vividly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we went to lunch after, right? We, we talked about it. I remember. Yeah. So, okay, well, that was kind of a (laughs) tangent to remember. But that reminds me, when I was in high school, um, back in the day, people were getting really excited about tongues. And at one Mount Hermon, there was this sense of, you're not a Christian unless you can speak in tongues. And someone very close Mm -hmm. to me came home crying because she said she wasn't a Christian. And I think that just kind of built a big resistance to me. And people have said that to me since then. Like, you're not a Christian or you're not as good a Christian because you don't speak in tongues. So I think I kind of just set the whole tongue-speaking part of Holy Spirit aside. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, if it happens, it happens. But I'm not going to buy into that you're not a Christian or you're not as good a Christian. Right. Um, so I think I'm, yeah, so I don't even think about that when I think about Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's kind of, that's a side issue. But though I know for a lot of people, that's the main issue. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, kind of on the spectrum of cessationism on one end, um, charismatic on the other end, and you have extremes both. Um, just kind of a brief overview and make sure I get this right. Cessationism is, is the belief that the, the supernatural gifts are no longer distributed, right? That mm-hmm. those gifts have ceased to function and exist today. Charismatic on the other end, all the gifts continue to exist and function. As you just think about those two viewpoints, and obviously there's extremes to both, what are some of the pros and cons that you can think of, you know, for each side? Um, in the sense that, you know, the both sides have passionate 
faithful believers who, who want to do what God calls them to do, right? So kind of assuming, taking from, starting from those kinds of individuals, as you consider both sides of the spectrum, just off the top of your head, what are some of the, the pros, cons, maybe strengths, weaknesses um, when, you, when you consider both sides? You know, it's interesting when I when I think about it in those terms and that dichotomy, I actually see a lot of similarities. Um, like you said, on one hand, I, I love the passion. I love that it creates a culture within your community uh, that's passionate, that's coherent. Uh, on the other hand, it's it kind of like, Donna, what you just shared with tongues, I feel like that's a larger issue just in religiosity. Like, what are we proud of? How do we elevate one believer over the other? And so I actually see the same thing in the cessationist camp with whether it be doctrine or reformed theology um and i'm sure we have our own version or brand of that here that maybe we're blind to but i think it's part it's of crossfit <laughs> here it's crossfit it's your deadlift one yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah you know whatever that is i think that's built into fallen humanity and um I actually see a lot of similarities between both camps, right? That there's this this passion, this fervor of this is what matters. Um, and it's something that I think I both admire and am cautious of at the same time. Yeah, yeah I think I, gr I grew up in churches that were more cessationist and there was no none of that. And, and I remember people saying that that was just for the first century church. It was just for the beginning of the church in Acts. Um, but yeah, like Nick said, I admire just the the freedom and the passion and the expression because in the churches that I grew up in, there wasn't a lot of that. It was very matter of fact. It was kind of righteous living and doing the right thing. And there wasn't a lot of passion or, you know, just a sense of God's presence. So that's the part of it that I I think I, I gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one, Nick, I appreciate how you, you I pointed out what what is the thing that we elevate, and that's an I mean I think that's a podcast we can do on a separate day to talk about those things and there's a kind of regardless of what camp you're in, you know each one tends to elevate something, mm -hmm. um, and that can lead to a lot of problems right and and like Donna as you're saying you know I think that there there's that passion there with the charismatic side that I do I appreciate too and there's something always in me that goes through seasons of leaning into that trying to at least lean into that um uh, the the idea that right uh, i think if, if there's a sense of everybody has a, an invaluable role in the church you know like i know theologically everybody believes that but kind of on that charismatic side it feels a little bit more in terms of like there's more gifts out there right mm -hmm. for people to have function um, but at times it, it there for me, at least, and it's not a criticism, and I don't want it to sound like that, but uh, it's not—it's confusing at times. Sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes it's—I'm um, not. Yeah, it's hard to understand what what's going on, what's happening, um, even with the best intent, you know. And, and on the other hand, of the spectrum, as you lean more towards a cessationism, cessationist camp, or whatever, it seems more clear. Things are orderly, right? Um, I think. Not only just doctrine's clear, but ministry's clear. And, and that's always helpful, and that's important. And Scripture talks about the importance of order, right? That God's a God of order. Um, but at the same time, I think the fear with that for me is, like, if these gifts do exist, and if you believe they don't, 
then we as a church, we as a body, we not only miss out, right, but we fail to acknowledge and identify people with certain gifts. And therefore, we, we kind of make their role in the church, um, right, we kind of push them to the side and we basically say, you don't have a role here. And, and, and that's what probably scares me the most, that there could be people with gifts that not we as CBC, you know, because we haven't declared, we, you know, we, we wouldn't identify as a cessationist church, but just in general, right? Even if we functionally, we function as a cessationist church, that there could be people with gifts that it just remains dormant because we fail to you know, identify it. Mm-hmm. So on that, um, kind of on that spectrum then, where would you say you st- kind of stand now? Where where would you kind of identify yourself um, in terms of cessationism? You know, there's open but cautious that Brandon kind of mentioned. And then on the charismatic side, um, kind of personally, where would you say you're at? Um, somewhere in the middle, probably the open but cautious side. Um, there was a time when I thought that was just for other people that because I'm very rational and very left-brained, um, that that this, it just wasn't something I could do. And even just, you know, the hearing God's voice and solitude and listening for God and, um, you know, asking God, you know, what do you want to say to me? All of that kind of maybe 20 years ago, I probably would have thought that was outside the realm of possibility for me. So I feel like I've changed a lot in terms of just experiencing God's presence, which I feel like is a Holy Spirit thing. Um, and I don't know where I'm going from here, but yeah, so I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm not completely close to it, but yeah, I'm open. Hmm. Yeah, I would say if, if someone looked at me and, and w- had to label me from my outward life, I, I would be open but cautious. But I think if, if you asked me to be honest, I'm probably a little bit more of a closet charismatic, to be honest, mm-hmm. because I think there's something I th- in the experiential realm that is compelling for me as far as faith and um, what would drive me, I think, further into ministry. Um, that simply knowing something isn't enough for me, that I would want to see something, experience something. And, um, and I think it's also my personal belief that that will be part of what it looks like to shepherd the next generation. Um, again, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't have the gift of tongues that, that I know of. Um, but I, I, I am curious and, uh, and I would say I'm more than open. Hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. I think for me too, Brandon raised the issue of control and he said, um, something about comfortable faith is the consistent choice to elevate my control. Mm. And, and I feel like that's kind of maybe the hindrance for me is that I like control and I like order and I like knowing what's going to happen and um, having things follow a schedule. So I think that's kind of what maybe gets in the way of me being as open as Nick is, um, but just to, you know, to know that it exists, but to um, to want to stand back and see what happens rather than get involved in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting because that whole idea of control and order, I in theory, I love that as well. You know, I don't operate well in spaces that aren't clean, that are too cluttered. 
But at the same time, I'm always drawn toward people who are more spontaneous, less structured, mm. uh, more artistic. Um, my wife, I think, would be a good example. She's artistic. She's generally pretty free-flowing, very social. Um, so I get I get that tension. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cool to hear you guys share that because, you know, Nick, I, I, I don't know if I could have, I would have said that about you yeah. just 20 minutes ago, you know, that this kind of functionally and just kind of where you're at, you're this closet charismatic or however, and, and not in a bad way. I think that's very intriguing and excited to hear that. And, um, you know, it's funny because I, as I think about it, I would, I think I've always identified myself as open, but cautious with a leaning towards charismatic and openness, uh, wanting to, to go more that way personally. Um, but as Brandon was talking, even as I've been reflecting just recently, like, you know, I think functionally, if you were to look at me from the outside, I think it would look more like a cessationist, you know, and I don't like that. Uh-huh. But kind of how I like to do ministry, how I like to operate, the idea, control, order, uh, knowing, you know, just kind of planning ahead, yeah. knowing what to expect. Um, the idea of like spontaneous ministry, spontaneous worship, spontaneous prayer, healing. You know, like I just like intellectually I'm open to it and I want more of it. But there's also this discomfort, this fear of stepping out. You know, Brandon talked about the fear of being awkward, the fear of all those things that I think can that paralyzes me a lot. Mm-hmm. Or kind of keeps me in a box, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, I don't like it. And I think this series, and especially this topic, has is, is really been challenging me on that area. Mm-hmm. Kind of transitioning, um, I guess not really transitioning, but you know, for the for the person who, who's listening to the, who listened to the message, who maybe listening to us talk now, and they're saying to themselves, "I want more of the Holy Spirit. Like I do want it." I'm open. Um, I want to be more dependent. What would you encourage them with? You know, I, I guess part of it would be how how do you kind of perceive your own interaction with the Holy Spirit right now? What does that look like? And how would you encourage someone who wants uh, more of Him in their life? Nick, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of funny that my first reaction is. Uh, Go to Catalyst. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, and I kind of mean that semi-seriously in the sense of I I would want someone to shepherd and kind of offer a a legitimate apprenticeship. You know, the other side of me would kind of dig a little deeper. What what does that mean? What what are you specifically looking looking for? Uh, What gifts do you think you might have? What would it look like for, for me to maybe journey with you or explore with you? Um, but just kind of a blanket, I, I just want more of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm curious about the charismatic movement. Um, I don't feel like I personally have a whole lot to offer there. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 Brandon gave those four tips, which I wrote down, um, at the end of the message to know God's word, to pray for the spirit, to listen for the spirit and be obedient to the spirit. Um, and I feel like that's a good starting point. It's kind of maybe a more conservative way to look at it. But for me, it's just always been in prayer and solitude that I feel like I've grown to hear God in in the way that I do. 
Um, I haven't grown as fast as other people, so maybe there are more things to do, but um, I feel like that's a good starting place, too. Yeah, but yeah, and I maybe that question was, I could phrase that question better, Nick, too, is the, <laughs> not so much, you know, that's a, a genuine question of how can I have more, and there's people that are probably asking, and they're all over the spectrum, and sometimes as pastors, we have to refer them to other people, because that's beyond our expertise of where we're at, um, but maybe just right now in kind of your life, what does that journey look like, and uh, how does, kind of how do you perceive your interaction with the Holy Spirit right now? And, and I guess we can add to that, too. And how do we, how would we like to grow in that? Well, what is that? What would that look like for us? How about you, Eric? Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, similar to what you were saying, Donna, where, you know, a lot of my kind of journey, right up, to, up until now, it's been a lot of the reflection, the journaling, um, Solitude, not so much where I'm like going out per se, but, you know, just sitting still, uh, thinking, reflecting, inviting the spirit to speak where I felt a lot of times that's my interaction, you know, and and it's it's and I love it. And it's been I feel like it's been very helpful, very fruitful um, in that um, by just doing those things that Brandon suggested. Right. Like listening. I forgot what the other one. Listening, obeying. I know those are the two that stick out to me. Knowing God's word is the first one, right? And then pray for the spirit. Yeah, I mean that. You know, I think that part for me has been really helpful. Just sitting there, uh, listening, praying, and kind of receiving what I feel the spirit's saying. Um, I think the challenge for me, and this is kind of going forward, where I feel like I want to get better at the obeying part. You know, especially when the, the thoughts or the, sen- the the feelings, it's like, I think that's the spirit, but I'm not sure, right? I'm, I'm like 51% sure, right? In those cases, it's so easy for me to like either just brush it aside or go like, oh, it can't be the spirit. It doesn't make sense. Or I can rationalize just why I don't want to do it. But I think that would be the next step for me, you know, whether it's in those solitude moments or Sunday morning service or at any point if I sense something to, to act upon it. And I think that's, it sounds so simple, but you know, as Brandon talked about, I think we can probably relate. Those are the hard ones. And for me, especially, I think that to me, that's the next step that I want to do. Um, now, whether I do it or not, that's the, <laughs> that's the real question. Yeah. I feel like for me, the, um, a lot of my time with God, where I feel the Spirit's presence is God affirming me that he loves me. Um, I was talking to Brandon about this because he's going on sabbatical. And it made me think about the things that I wrestled with on my sabbatical. But one of the things, the big things for me has always been, I didn't always feel like, or I didn't really feel like my father loved me, my earthly father. Um, just because, you know, he, you know, the way fathers are, sometimes they're not very demonstrative or affectionate or expressive. Um, and I, on my sabbatical, I wrestled with that a lot. And um, I think what I came to is that he loved me in as much as he could in his way, even though I didn't always feel it. Um, but that's what led me to God and to, um, to maybe seeking more from God and wanting to, to have that sense of God's love for me. Um, and I feel like that's been a big part of my experience with the Spirit. But I also know that God gives us our s- the Spirit, not just so we'll feel good about it, but so that we do things. So I feel like that's the thing that maybe I'm wrestling with now is, yeah, is hearing the spirit 
and what he wants me to do or what more he wants me to do or what differently he wants me to do. Um, but for me, maybe, and maybe this is the beginning for a lot of people, is just knowing that God loves us so much, as much as he does. And I don't think we really recognize that very much. I love how you, well, for your own journey, obviously, but I think that's so important what you said, Donna, was uh, that is the Spirit's role, right? Yeah. The Spirit uh, brings us in, you know, reminds us that we are sons and daughters, right? yeah. that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And that's such, you know, it's so vital, I, I feel like, being 100% convinced of that, mm-hmm. right? And not just intellectually, theologically, but experientially, relationally, every moment, every day. And, you know, kind of until that part happens and until we grow into that, I think the, the doing has to wait, you know? And obviously there's things that go hand in hand, yeah. but without that, then the doing can easily become a, a, legal, a legalistic kind of way of, operating it can be a kind of a means of earning love Mm -hmm. which is totally not what the spirit wants to do right so i think to have that season where we're just growing and how much god loves us we're experiencing that grace we're receiving it um, so that when it comes time to the to do right it's completely out of this this place of, of freedom of trust of safety that it's, you know, it's not to earn anything, that if we fail, we mess up, there, there's no punishment, no condemnation, but it's simply, you know, a father inviting us to, to step into something good, right? Mm-hmm. Something yeah. better. That's it. Yeah. You know, so thank you for, you know, I think sharing your own journey in that um, and, and making that distinction, you know, I think of what the Spirit is doing, you know, reminding us of who we are, convincing us of who we are, and then also leading us in terms of what to do. Yeah. Any thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I guess going back to your original question, one of the ways that I always think about the spirit, just for me on a very personal level, is sort of that biblical image of wind or breath. I think as a surfer, I'm always paying attention to the wind. You know, in the morning when the winds shift, that's usually when the surf um, deteriorates. And uh, so even now I'm conscious of, yeah, today's not a good time to go surfing right now, which makes me feel better about being here because I'm not <laughs> missing out on anything. <laughs> but uh, for me, I think as an introvert, uh, someone who hears from God when I'm alone, um, watching the effects of the wind somehow reminds me, I think, of the spirit of God and the way that it moves and sometimes shifts in ways that I can't explain, can't see directly, um, but that the evidence of its effects are, are there. And so I think for me on a personal level, um, like I'm sort of at a, at a crossroads regarding where to live, uh, what ministry looks like long-term. And for me, uh, especially since these decisions all affect my kids, my wife, I, I do feel like I, I need something more substantial or something experiential in order to, mm-hmm. to hear from God. Um, and it's not something that, it, it kind of has to go beyond rationale. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like, but I'd have to, it, I feel like I'd have to see it or experience it in order to make a significant change. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a good example would be a few years ago, I was wrestling with moving back to Sacramento. Uh, it was a community that we had been a part of for a number of years. And 
I just I didn't sense that that was where the Lord was calling, and sort of in that absence, I decided to not move. And um, so again, I don't know what I'm looking for, but it, to me, it has to be something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, any final thoughts? Uh, anything you'd want to encourage uh, those who are listening um, before we go? I was going to say, if, if uh, anyone's listening and they have expertise in this area, we'd love to hear from you. But what do I mean with Eric would love to hear from you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote down the prayer that Brandon prayed at the end, the Puritan mm. prayer at the end. I thought that would be a good way for us to end today, so I'm going to read it. I haven't practiced it probably as much as Brandon has, so it probably won't sound as authoritative as his reading, but here it is. O Holy Spirit, as the sun is full of light, the ocean full of water, heaven full of glory, so may my heart be full of you. Give me yourself without measure as an overflowing fountain, as inexhaustible riches. I confess my coldness, poverty, emptiness, imperfect vision, careless service, prayerless prayers, praiseless praise. Come as power to expel my selfish desires, to reign supreme over my life. Come as teacher, leading me into all truth, filling me with understanding. Come as love, that I may adore the Father and love him as my all. Come as joy to dwell in me, move in me, animate me. Come as light, illuminating scripture, molding me in its laws. Come as helper, with strength to bless and keep, directing my every step. Come. I think that's a great invitation into just the Holy Spirit's presence. That's a perfect way to end. Thank you, Donna, for being here. Thank you, Nick. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week.